Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to The Breakdown with me, NLW. It's a daily podcast on macro, Bitcoin, and the big picture power shifts remaking our world. The Breakdown is sponsored by Crypto.com, Bitstamp, and Nexo.io, and produced and distributed by Coindesk. What's going on, guys? It is Saturday, August 1st, and that means this is The Breakdown's weekly recap. Last week, the show was all about the increase in the rhetorical battle between the U.S. and China. We had seen the dueling consulate closures. We'd seen Secretary of State Mike Pompeo talk about how China needed to be thwarted effectively and a new era of freedom ushered in. Basically, it was hard to look at that week and come off it without thinking that there was such a focus on the U.S.-China relationship. This week was a little bit different, although I do think that the China thing plays into it. It felt to me like this week was a lot of setting the stage for the fall, and I mean specifically setting the stage for the economic dimension of the political battle that is about to engulf the U.S. in a major way. So let's go through a few of the different elements that I noticed. Let's talk first about the Fed and what the Fed was signaling. We had a Fed Open Markets Committee meeting, and really, in many ways, there was nothing new under the sun. However, if you listen to my interview with George Goncalves on Thursday, his argument was that the subtle kind of read-the-tea-leaves signal that the Fed was sending is that they are, in fact, sort of running out of different types of options, and in fact, fiscal needs to do more, right? We need the government, not just the Fed, to step in in a bigger way. That coincided with four days of debates between Republicans and Democrats in Congress about what the next fiscal package was going to look like. What we don't have at the end of this week is any real sense of where that's going to land. What we do have is a sense of where the battle lines are. And basically, it comes down to how much money to give people and for how long, with a little bit of a side of to whom to give that money. Another one of the fault lines has to do with coronavirus-related lawsuits, which we'll talk about in just a minute. The stakes on all of these political battles increased when we saw the president tweet out that it may not be safe to vote, and so maybe we should move the election. 
This drew incredible scrutiny right away, not just from Democrats, but also from Republicans. There are questions and debates now about how much power the president actually has to even suggest this, and constitutional lawyers seem to think that it's not very much. But the fact of the matter is, is that I think whatever the politics behind it, it's hard not to see it as an escalation. And again, my point about the week's role or what the story of this week was, is that we are setting the stage for fall. And I think it's hard not to see this as one of the narrative battle lines that is now in play. Besides China, the other one thing that Democrats and Republicans seem to be able to agree on is the fact that everyone hates big tech. This was on display this week as the heads of Apple, Amazon, Alphabet, and Facebook testified before Congress, which, as I mentioned on the brief earlier this week, it was really just a chance for each of these congressmen and women to score political points to bring home to their constituencies. The reality of this is that the complaint from Republicans who are most angry about them is that these platforms are aligned against conservatives, while the complaint from Democrats has to do with anti-competitive behavior. It's hard for me to imagine that this goes anywhere unless Republicans want to focus on some antitrust side of things. Meanwhile, big tech just has to show up and play nice because their earnings are soaring. In the days subsequent to this hearing, most of these companies released earnings guidance and they have rebounded entirely from any particular hits to their business from the coronavirus, specifically around advertising and changes in advertising with other parts of their business. Google ads were down a little bit because they cater to many of the industries that were most affected, but at the same time, their cloud services and everything else you need for remote work were through the roof. On the one hand, I recoil against a lot of the rhetoric around big tech right now because it's such an easy political football to score points. They're so big that people are naturally scared, and that fear is something that's very easy for politicians to use. I think it's hilarious in some ways that politicians feel so empowered to take on big tech that they can use ridiculous language as though people hate big tech even more than they hate the politicians. At the same time, however, I do think that these platforms have a type of power and influence in society unlike anything we've ever experienced. And so we do have to have a national conversation about the right ways to set some gates or gating mechanism around that. I just don't know what it is. And I know a lot of the fights that we have about them seem kind of stupid and besides the point. What's going on, guys? I'm excited to share that one of this month's breakdown sponsors is Crypto.com. Crypto.com offers one of the most cost-efficient ways to purchase crypto out there, as they've just waived the 3.5% credit card fee for all crypto purchases. What's more, with Crypto.com's MCO Visa card, you can get up to 10% back on things like food and grocery shopping. When you buy gift cards with the Crypto.com app, you can get up to 20% back. Download the Crypto.com app today and enjoy these offers until the end of September. Bitstamp is the original global cryptocurrency exchange. Since 2011, Bitstamp has been the preferred exchange for serious traders and investors. Trusted by over 4 million customers, including top financial institutions. Bitstamp is built on professional-grade trading technology. Their platform is powered by a NASDAQ matching engine, and their APIs are recognized as the best in the industry. Download the Bitstamp app from the App Store or Google Play, or visit bitstamp.net slash pro to learn more and start trading today. That's bitstamp.net slash pro. In this crisis, many investors aim to keep and grow their digital assets. Others seek to maximize the yield on their cash. Nexo allows you to achieve exactly these two goals. 
The company offers instant crypto credit lines against all major cryptocurrencies, with interest rates starting from only 5.9% APR. Nexo also lets you earn up to 10% annually on your fiat and digital assets. What's more, interest is paid out daily, and you can add or withdraw funds at any time. Get started at nexo.io. Let's go back to one of those battle lines being drawn on the next fiscal stimulus, which has to do with litigation shield for coronavirus lawsuits. We are starting to see the beginning of the coronavirus lawsuits. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about exactly this, where people who have gotten the coronavirus exposed from either their school or their work are starting to say that they were not sufficiently protected by their employer or whatever it was and are filing lawsuits. This is the great fear for people who want litigation shields is that because of this type of lawsuit, businesses will simply not be able to open because they'll be so petrified of being sued later for exactly this. Like all these issues I'm discussing, this has at least as much to do with the structure of society and just how litigious we are as it does with the specific context of what's going on right now. Again, my framework for this weekly recap is that the last week has seen a lot of phase setting or uh, agenda setting for the battles of the fall. And so what could be more at the top of that list than the back to school argument? A survey from OutSchool found that parents are very uncomfortable with the sending the kids back to school. 60% said they weren't comfortable sending kids back to school until a vaccine had been found. 40% said they were more likely to consider homeschooling in the future. 45 or 50% said school hasn't communicated a plan for the fall. So This is a a challenge, I think, for a lot of folks. On Thursday, we discussed the jobless claims report, and both initial claims and continuing claims have risen. Initial claims have risen for the second week in a row to 1.43 million. Continuing claims rose more than they had since the beginning of May, 867,000 claims more than last week. And the reason that jobless claims matter is that they are sort of the counter barometer to other types of economic activity. If people are losing their jobs again or being laid off for a second time, it's going to show up in every other statistic from retail to you name it. And lastly, there was this hullabaloo around Kodak. And I think that there's a lot to dig in here. I would encourage you to go read Epsilon Theory's article about Kodak and cronyism. I think it's really important. But the part that I wanted to focus on for the sake of this kind of setting the stage for fall narrative is the idea of reshoring and re-updating our supply chains. Nominally, the reason that Kodak was able to get this grant was to be able to shift their business to manufacturing key parts of the medical process. And whether you buy the specific example of Kodak or not, whether you think it's cronyist or not, The idea that there's going to be a major shift and significant financial incentives around reshoring, I think, is going to absolutely be one of the key themes, not just of the fall, but ongoing. 2020 has been a sequence of things getting weirder and harder after you thought that they were about as weird and as hard as they could get. And unfortunately, it feels to me like fall is going to be more of that. But all I can tell you is that we will be here to analyze it every single day. I'll give you the best guess I can to help you make sense of it. And hopefully wherever you are, you can stay safe, stay in the money, do what you need to do to keep things moving, and we'll make it through. But until tomorrow, guys, be safe and take care of each other. Peace.